Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Kent Vanuk to the show. Welcome, Kent. Hey, thanks for having me. Kent is the Vice President of Global Sales Development at TalkDesk, and they are a contact center communications platform built in the cloud. We will be talking today, given what Kurt does about the sales development world, but in particular, taking a global sales development team and moving them from in-office to remote work and how that impacts all the different aspects of hiring, training, managing, and optimizing a sales development team. Before we do that, I'd love to get to know all of our guests in pretty much the same way. What's one of your favorite sales books or other learning resources, and, and what's a great takeaway you got from that? I guess my favorite sales book, I've got plenty of them, but if I have to pick one right now, I'll probably say it's the first sales book I read when I got to Tech Sales in 2010. And it was a book that our VP gave us to read called You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. And it's by David H. Sandler. What it taught me and my biggest takeaway is that the best process is the process that you use and actually put into your daily selling. It had a big impact on me because I'd never really put a process formally in place. I'd always just sold based on you know what I'd learned here and there. And it allowed me to put a lot of things into practice that would give me the chance to go back and reflect and figure out where the holes were in my sales process. Well, let's transition to the main topic, which again is all about moving global SDR teams from from being in the office to the, out of the office. And I guess there's sort of two vectors to think about this. One is the global aspect, but the other one is just sort of the key functions that a sales leader has to go through. So we'll make the primary framework we use the kind of functions, and then we'll talk about how they may vary from geography to geography. Hiring people remotely, like what has been your approach to that? We have the liberty of having to hire, quote unquote, remotely as far as the process when we opened up a new office in Utah 18 months ago. You know, I was interviewing everyone remotely because I wasn't going to be, you know, living out in Utah while we tried to find an SDR team. So, you know, we had a, a somewhat of a framework already in process where we would have introductory conversations over the phone, then we would switch, you know, to Zoom to meet an extended team. And then you have, you know, a whole different number of personalities that the person meets through Zoom. And then we do, you know, some sort of challenge where they present again on Zoom. From there, we were able to kind of make a decision of whether or not this person is a fit culturally and, and for the company. And so I think you know, we have hired a few folks and being able to re-implement that process has been fine in this situation, especially with everybody, I think, now used to being over video conference instead of in person. So, it, you know, that piece is just making sure you have a good process and then just kind of translating it into a remote situation. If you're hiring someone who's been in the workforce for a few years... They're in the rhythm and you can expect them to be responsible enough, hopefully, to work from home. If you're hiring a very early career professional, they may not have gotten the bugs worked out of them yet. Uh, you know, I've seen this before, hiring people fresh out of college. They're, they're learning to work. You know, I mean, they were doing assignments 
on their own time. They're not used to sitting at a desk all day and making phone calls and writing emails and going through LinkedIn and so on. Like, is, is that a factor for you at all as you think about hiring remote SDRs of how much career experience they have? You know, I hadn't changed my thinking. I, I still am open to hiring both of those sets that you mentioned, whether it's someone that has been in the workforce and is trying to break into tech, whether it's someone that is trying to specifically break into talk desk from you know a different product set, or it's a fresh out of school, it's still the same criteria that we're looking at. And I actually leave it up to myself and management to provide a structure and environment where they can learn how to be successful and we can manage them, you know, appropriately. But my hiring profile, I think, remains the same. All right. So let's say, you know, you you have hired folks until whatever, a few months ago, you, they would, you know, sit in a, in a room maybe for a week or something and learn from the fire hose. They'd sit next to peers, maybe a mentor who was assigned to them, more senior SDR, or sit with their manager. Uh, how are you going about ramping and onboarding people now that you know, you've hired these remote folks? We had developed and recorded everything that we were training on. I actually picked up that tip from Kevin Dorsey. Why are you training someone if you're not recording it to be able to use later? And so we did multiple recordings of a bunch of different training sessions during our kind of two week SDR specific onboarding program. So we had them. I am a firm believer that you can actually die from PowerPoint and videos. <laughs> and so I, you know, don't like to train only on that, but we use a combination of videos and then, you know, I'll jump on a session or one of my managers, or we have a, you know, a, a great sales enablement team to kind of mix it up. And again, it's it's just a matter of doing it over video conferencing versus doing it in person or flying them out to Utah for a couple weeks. And so that takes care of the training part. And then I think the second piece would be the camaraderie, which you know I think is difficult to recreate over video conferencing. But I think with the different meetings and different activities that we're doing to keep the team engaged has been a big part in allowing people to see what that culture is without them actually being in the office every day. What are some of the things that you are doing to indoctrinate people into the culture to maintain the culture now that people are no longer in the office with each other? I think the trick is to stay social and recreate the existing culture as much as possible. So when you're making cold calls and we have our power hours, I mean, you're looking across the table, you might be listening in to someone's conversation and, you know, then you guys have a chance to chat about it afterwards. And so in that spirit, there's a few ways that we're doing it. We do a group Zoom power hour where people are on Zoom, but they're making calls. So you can see their faces. You can listen in to somebody if you want, or you can keep them muted. And it kind of provides that same office structure. It sounds like it could be a little bit chaotic, but it, it's actually pretty easy. And the hardest thing is connects. But if someone gets on a connect, you can jump in and you know listen to what they're saying with our phone solution. Obviously, we use TalkTest, but you, you can just listen in to whoever that is. So the whole team can jump in and then 
listen to that call. And it's actually provided like a, a really great coaching opportunity because then afterwards, the managers, myself, we can all reflect on, you know, what went well, what could we have done differently. And so it, it creates a little bit of a tribal learning environment. I think it takes a little bit of the number of dials down, but I think in this environment, you need to be more personal anyway. So it's probably not a dial till your fingers bleed atmosphere. It's more strategics, you know, sharpshooting. And then the other piece is just choosing a buddy, right? So we don't have a power hour, but you know, Hey, Jeremy, you want to go make some calls on zoom? And then it's the same thing as sitting next to your buddy, right? It just makes it a lot more social and creates some culture. I love that. I mean, so many of the ideas I've been hearing are things that are social, but not work, right? So for example, my team uh, in sales ops and strategy does a uh, 30-minute lunch once a week. Or someone did a scavenger hunt to find like the weirdest object in your house, that sort of thing. But I, I really love this. is the first time I've heard this, which is like combine the social with something work-related. And in particular, I love that idea of, hey, pick a buddy, both prospecting at the same time. I wonder if some of the folks are making it competitive also is like first person to source an op or something like that. Well, definitely. There's a couple other tricks we have. We've got multiple check-ins throughout the day. The first one is usually serious uh, every morning, like kickoff and strategy and what we're going to do. I mean, not serious, like, you know, too serious, but it's more strategic. The, the check-ins in midday can be serious or it could be just going over some of the things that we are seeing with the with the way that obviously our messaging is kind of changing daily depending on what's happening in the world. You know, we have themes, goofy hat favorite coffee mug. We've been making things creative in that sense as well. Uh, and then the, the other piece is team spiffs and competitions, going back to what you were saying. And so we have pods of three that, that are working together towards a common point total. And then they're all competing against each other globally. So they have to work in pods of three. And that is the obvious choice for who to you know Zoom dial with and just creates a cool culture, even though we're not sitting next to each other. Uh, super, super clever. I heard you say also you do a, a this sort of regular morning stand-up, which I know most teams do these days. You said you do a midday check-in. Was there an end-of-the-day check-in also, or just the morning and midday? There is, yeah. And I guess this kind of goes into the structure of making sure that the communication with the team stays constant. What I've learned, I guess, from this is that there are so many just one-off passing by conversations that happen during the day. And what I'm trying to do is just recreate as many of those as possible. You know, some of the Zoom meetings and, you know, those kind of call tag teams are, are great. But just having these huddles, I think, has been key in keeping people engaged. And so, you know, obviously KPIs in a situation like this can be easily fooled. But if you're engaging the team and asking them questions, I mean, why wouldn't they want to be successful, especially during this time, right? So it, it just kind of helps take away some of the excuses or some of the bad habits, not in a overly micromanaging way, although I think it's up to us to micromanage in these times, but do it in a way where you're helping them. You're not just like, hey, it's noon and you're only at 20 calls. It's like, hey, what's your strategy for today? You know, who are you going after? Have you seen any success? What are the conversations been like? And just creating touch points that are valuable, but keeping the team engaged. Let's go deeper because it sounds like a big part of the structured environment that you create is definitely 
the set of stand-ups or check-ins. Can you just go a little deeper on each one of those? Like, when do you do it? What's the agenda? Who's is it? Everyone? Is it sub teams? So yeah, just maybe start with the morning one. What when do you do that, and what does that look like? Yeah, the morning is start of the day, right? Eight a.m. and we do it by team. So by office, we've got an office out here in San Francisco. We've got an office in Lehigh. We have an office in Lisbon, in Portugal, and the kickoff is a couple different things. We do a morning role play that we do anyways each day. The morning role play has to do with what's happening in the current you know market, right? It's easy to figure out what role plays to do during this time, and so we'll have you know a volunteer to be the prospect, a volunteer to be the talk desk employee, and then like a coach or a moderator. And, you know, the moderator gives feedback to both and then they give feedback to each other and then the team can jump in afterwards. It's just a chance to learn and grow from, you know, a real life situation that's acted out. From there, we'll discuss specifically what's changing in the messaging. So an easy example is what's going on with COVID. The, you know, the first week that this whole thing went down where everyone was forced to go and work from home essentially. And talk desk, it turns out, helps people work from home, right? So we were like, okay, let's get out there and hey, what's your strategy? Have you thought about your remote strategy? And people were just shutting us down, like, how dare you call us in this time of need? And, you know, within a day we were hearing that feedback because of all our check-ins. And then for the next morning, we were doing role plays and every conversation is, hey, let's, we got to start off with, I hope you and your family are healthy and safe. And then instead of like, have you thought about your remote strategy? You know, during this time, we're helping folks that may or may not have a strategy. And so just those slight tweaks got people to actually engage with us. So from there, we knew, okay, this is good. And that happened because of these daily meetings that were happening. And so, you know, I think the morning kickoff is to make sure that we're not going too hard in one direction or the other, make sure that what we're talking about is effectively being heard. And then, you know, if we're going to go after a certain industry that we're hearing is having problems, you know, hey, today would be a great day to go after banks. What about the midday check-in? When do you do that and how long does it last? Who's involved? Yeah, the midday check-in is a combination. Sometimes we'll do lunch or it's a check-in, right? How are things going? Usually the manager will take a meeting. Obviously we track those so we can see what meetings have been scheduled in the morning. And you find a, you know, a call that went well, call that went bad, you know, everyone has kind of a good laugh, but what it'll do is it'll motivate folks that maybe don't have that yet to go out and get one in the afternoon. If there's any kind of crazy thing that happened, you know, with these White House briefings or anything like that, it's a good chance to chat about it. If if there is an early, you know, White House briefing that changes how we want to reach out for the afternoon, but really, it's about you know just keeping things social. These questions that people have throughout the day as you're walking around, we take it for granted that we're in person, and so you'd be surprised how how much people have to chat about just halfway through the day. It's also a good indication from management. Again, this is being able to micromanage without micromanaging. If they're quiet, they're not doing anything. So, you know, something's going on and it's a, it's a good indication to dig in. 
so you're not necessarily calling people out on their activity, but the fact that they're quiet and you're looking at the dashboards anyway, you know what's going on. Exactly. You know, this person's not participating on the midday check-ins. Their activity is low or their activity is high, but their talk time is low. They've got half as many meetings as everyone else. There's obviously something going on. And quite honestly, it's usually something that we can either train on or help, you know, remove an obstacle versus the person just is, you know, taking advantage of the situation. And once you get distracted like that, then it's up to us as management to bring them back in and to manage the situation. I have noticed, I mean, personally, a lot more people prospecting me. And there have been comments I noticed on LinkedIn also that it's just there is an interesting increase actually in activity level across sales development professionals, you know, all, all over. What are your hypotheses for what has led to that dramatic increase in prospecting activity? From like a cultural standpoint, you know, you're you're making your, you know, 25 dials in the morning and all of a sudden you're three friends behind you are talking about their weekend or something. And so instead of making the last 12, you turn around and start talking. And then all of a sudden it's a team meeting and then it's the afternoon and lunch and all of a sudden your day's over. So I think there's a little bit less of that. I think also, you know, the ones that are motivated are using it, you know, you're sitting on the couch anyways, right? So why not fire off a couple emails after work? You know, it's, it's probably they understand that they're under the microscope and people that have gigs, you know, should be fortunate and put in that little extra now's the time, right? Because you want to get through this tough situation. We didn't get much into it earlier, but you said there's also an end of day check-in. So yeah, when do you do that? Who's, who's there? The, the same sort of sets of questions. It's a wrap up, right? Very similar to the midday check-in. We'll usually do a theme because everyone's you know, wrapping it up anyways. Right. And so that's where kind of the glasses or, you know, put on your like favorite funky hat or, you know, go find, you know, I like that one. I'm going to steal it, you know, find the weirdest thing that you have in your house, assuming it's appropriate to share on a zoom with your coworkers, (laughs) you know, just kind of keeping it light, pointing out any wins and teeing up for tomorrow. Right. You know, everyone should be planning, their day tomorrow so that that way they'll have a successful day. What is that end of day one? Is that around five o'clock? You know, we do it at like three 30, right? If, if you do it at five, then there's, there's nothing that they're going to do after that. Right. So mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to make sure they're still engaged, but then also for the other folks to make sure that they're planning. Well, I, I enjoyed the chat and, and loved uh, your perspectives. Learned a lot on you know some of the ways. In particular, I think for me, like most valuable was how to kind of create social cohesion in the remote world in, in ways that's not just sort of all fun and games, but you're combining work with some fun and games. So, Ken, it was a real pleasure talking to you. If people want to learn more about TalkDesk or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, TalkDesk.com. We've got plenty of resources if you want to learn more about TalkDesk and hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, Happy to connect. This is my passion, so I'm happy to nerd out on anything sales or sales dev at any time. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.